As the children are going out and, and with Miss Paula there, I want you to turn, I'm trying to look up in these pews, 1755 is the page number in the new uh, pew Bibles, but uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 will be our, the beginning of our text this morning. Y'all know me, I'm, I'm uh, all over it, and we will be all over it even more today as we finish our study on the transformed believer and the, the glorification of the believer. Uh, we're going to talk about that some this morning, of, of what that's about, when it takes place, and, and all the rest. But uh, first, I was, I was wanting to let you know, I was, Brian told me just a minute ago, Miss Kitty is in the hospital. Uh, huh? I'm sorry? She's not in the hospital now? Okay. I just learned about it this morning. But she was dehydrated. She's home now and doing better. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, but just keep her in your prayers as, as we'll go through that. So uh, just keep keep them and all the ones that are sick and uh, in your prayers. So First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to start reading in, in, in verse 7 and go through verse 10. It says, uh, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, uh, the hidden wisdom of God, which God ordained before the ages for our glory. That, that's key to remember here. Uh, which none of the rulers of the age knew, for had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Father, as we study your word this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would give me the words to say. Lord, I pray that your word would, would just come alive to us in our, in our hearts and our minds that we would clearly see the truths of it and understand it and be doers of that word. Lord, just give me the words to say, Lord, that you would uh, be glorified in all that's said and done here this morning, Lord. And we, we also pray for, for Miss Kitty, that you would continue to, to help her to get feeling better and to get back to good health. And we just thank you for the good report that we've heard. Lord, just lead and guide us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The transformed believer. We have been talking about this for four weeks. Uh, we talked about the uh, being justified. And then being justified is the point of our salvation where we understand that we're a sinner, that Christ died for our sins on the cross, that he rose again in the third day and, and now makes intercession for us. Uh, and, and by faith, we believe that. At that point, we are justified before God. Uh, it is something that it's instantaneous. Uh, it happens at that very moment we accept Christ as a personal Savior. We are justified. Now, what does that mean to be justified? Uh, we are justified. That means that God sees us as righteous. You ever thought about that? With no sin, as we stand in the blood of Christ. 
See, we've accepted him as our atonement for our sin. We believe that he died on the cross for our sin. And because of the shed blood, and that's it, period, we are justified before God. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but because of what he did for us on the cross, we are justified. So when God looks at us, he looks at the spirit and the soul of Kenny Heinzel, he sees righteousness. I know that's hard for a lot of y'all to believe, especially Robin. But he sees me as perfect in, 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 as I stand in Christ. That's justified. Just Justified, the one said one time, uh, to define justified is just as if I had never sinned. That's how God views me. Does that mean I don't sin anymore? Absolutely not. Uh, that, uh, and we talked about that in our, our next few weeks of how we struggle with sin. And we're still in this old nature and in this flesh and in this body. And, and now we have a new nature, the spirit of God that lives within us. That, that is always warring with our old nature and our flesh to do what God wants us to do. That is to be sanctified. Uh, to our sanctification, uh, unlike justified, uh, ju- being justified, we are justified in the eyes of God that very moment that we accept Jesus as our personal Savior. We are saved. Okay, that, that's clear, right? Everybody understands that. But the sanctified is, a, is another part of our salvation, uh, not a requirement, but it is part, it is the fruit. It is, we looked at it as the, the works, the good works of our salvation is our sanctification. And that's a process. That goes on for the rest of your life. So when you hear sanctification, it, it is not instantaneous. It does not happen to take place at that very moment. Uh, it, you are uh, being justified. You are saved from the penalty of sin. What's the penalty of sin? death. What is that death? Did I die and go to the grave? Well, that's a physical death, but there's a spiritual death. So when we are, we are, we are saved from the penalty of sin and we say death, we're referring to a spiritual death. And that spiritual death is separation from God for eternity. Okay. So that happens at that very moment when we're saved. But then sanctification, we are being saved. Uh, justification, I'm saved from my sin, S-I-N. Sanctification is I'm being saved from my sins. Y'all know there's a difference? There's a difference between just sin and sins in the Bible. Sin it covers the whole, all of it, all of creation has sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That doesn't mean I still don't have sins. So our sanctification is that part that is working to, to overcome my old nature, uh, my, my flesh in which I commit sins. I do things that are contrary to the perfect will of God. And so uh, when I'm saved, I also receive the Holy Spirit. And this is part of his job too, is to not only seal me, but to sanctify me, to, to help me to overcome sin, to help us to to, to be more and more like Christ. So it is a process that we go through the rest of our natural lives, sanctification. Is that pretty clear to everybody? Everybody got that part? I'm just recapping. Um, 
this, like I said, the process begins at the point of salvation. The Holy Spirit begins to work to transform us into the image of Christ. Uh, and we talked about that for about two weeks of what that means. Now, to, today, we want to be, talk about glorification. What does it mean to be glorified? And we just sang a song, or the choir sang the song, I've been changed. All my life has be, been rearranged. But it says in the last verse that one day we will stand in his presence. We will stand in his presence glorified. Uh, There is a a sense that we are glorified, just to give you an overcap of what we'll be talking about today, that we are glorified now in that we glorify God through Christ. We glorify Christ in what we do. So there's a sense that we are glorified or being glorified now, but we are not yet glorified. Okay? This glorification, uh, it is a culmination of our sanctification process. It takes place once we are in heaven. Okay? Uh, We receive a new body. We're free from sin and free from suffering. So, you are say, uh, justified, we are saved from the penalty of sin. Sanctification, we're being saved from our, the power of sin. And glorification, we are saved from the presence of sin. When I'm in my glorified body, you know what? I'm not going to have an old flesh anymore that's going to war within me. With the Spirit of God and my flesh are fighting back and forth to, to do right and to do wrong. That war's over. That's our glorification. That, uh, you need to understand. I think this is, as I told you at the beginning of this series, that this is probably the most important set of uh, messages that I would bring or that I have preached since I've been here, I feel like. And a Christian to understand the process and understand what I'll tell you. A lot of people want to take all this and say, well, sanctification, you need to be sanctified in order to go to heaven. Well, yeah, but that's not something you do. Uh, they, they want to add on to our salvation things that must accompany salvation. And scripture talks about that. But there's not something that we do. I I don't know how to really make it clear other than once I am saved, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell me. It's not like I'm saying, oh, I got to do good today. I got to do God's will today. I better do right today. I better be sure I don't step out of it today. No, the Bible promises once I've accepted as my personal Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell me. His job is to remind me of my sin to convict me of my sin to teach me all truth god says he will sanctify me he will perform a good work in me yeah and so what is our job brother kenny what is my what is my job as a believer if if i can't do it what can i do surrender to his will that's it you understand that? How simple that is? It, it's not simple. It wasn't easy. It wasn't simple. Christ did all this on the cross. Christ is doing all this in and through us. So uh, it, it's been sort of a, I wanted to be sure these three uh, aspects of our sa- uh, salvation are very clear. So this glorification that we're talking about, Peter talks about it, and you can just write it down, uh, 1 Peter 5.1. 
he, he is opening his, his, his letter uh, and he's talking about uh, just a, an exhortation or the, the introduction to his letter. But he says something very important to us. He said, the elders, this is 1 Peter 5.1, the elders which are among you I exhort. He's talking, he's, he's writing this letter to him. He says, I exhort them. I, I lift them up. I, I encourage them. I pray for them. I want you to honor them who also am an elder. And, and he's talking about himself and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Peter absolutely was a firsthand witness to, cross, to Christ dying on the cross. And he's opening his letter with this. But then he says this. He's a witness to the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. He makes reference to something. Uh, he witnessed uh, that Christ died on the cross. And he, he witnessed that Christ rose again. He witnessed the ascension of our Savior in his glorified body. And now the Spirit has revealed to him that's not just for Christ. That is something that's going to take place. That is something yet to happen for the believer. And we find a good, very enlightening things in verses, just in an opening statement, that our glory shall be revealed. So what is this glory? Was it something that just came up that God just thought of? Well, that would be neat, dude, since Jesus lived a perfect life and he died and he rose again and he ascended and he was glorified. I guess I ought to do it for the Christians too, right? For all that believe in, right? No, I don't think so. Let's look at it. What, what is this? This was God's divine plan from the very beginning. <coughs> now I have to tell you, as I studied this, uh, I'll just give you a little hint. There's more to come. Because I studied it, the Holy Spirit started revealing some things to me, teaching me some things that I'll be honest with you, I don't think I'm quite ready to preach. But man, some really fascinating things, some really things that just opened my eyes to what glorification really is. Uh, to what, really what it's all about. And it's no secret thing. I believe it's there and, and the Holy Spirit reveal it to you. But And maybe you already know it. But I'm just, <laughs> I'm getting a grasp of this. And I'm seeing the things that the Lord showed me. And, and I said that our glorification was God's plan from the very beginning. Let's look at that. Uh, in the beginning, Adam and Eve were good, right? Y'all agree with that? Okay, everybody awake? Adam and Eve were good. God created all things, right? And he said it is good. So all creation at the point that God completed creation, he looked at all of creation and said it's good. This is before sin. Do you know that that's when, just, just a sidebar, I'm going to chase just a little rabbit here. Do you know that that's when the angels sang in heaven? At the end of creation, that they saw that God created, and all of heaven sang and glorified God. But you know they haven't sang yet since. So wait a minute now, Brother Kenny. They sang when Jesus came. No, they didn't. The Bible says they said. 
didn't say they sang. The angels won't sing again until we're standing around the throne of God in our glorified bodies. And all of creation, all of salvation plan is complete. Then the angels sing again. But see, something happened with Adam and Eve. They were good. God created them good. But I don't believe they were glorified. Why weren't they glorified? Because they sinned. They had the ability to sin. I'm gonna, it's going to be hard for me not to get into some of my excitement here, here in some of this message. Uh, and I hope I don't confuse you. But know that Adam and Eve were good, but they were not glorified. They have not been glorified. Adam and Eve fell, and so sin fell. And so uh, in, our first, in our text, 1 Corinthians 2, go there. In verse 7, Paul is speaking to the Corinthians. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. These things were not revealed until in the Old Testament. It's not some magical thing that, that, uh, just, that Paul just dreamed up. It always was. It's always been God's plan to, to glorify all mankind. And uh, it's always been his plan. But it really wasn't revealed until Christ came and that he died and that he rose again. And then we have the church age, the bride of Christ. The, the church, Paul refers to as a mystery. That means that they didn't understand that part of of, of, of God's plan in the Old Testament. All the Old Testament was pointing to Christ who would come. The New Testament points to what a difference it made in our song. What a difference it made when Christ came in my life. When Christ came, what a difference it made. It begins to reveal uh, some of the things that God already knew. God had already ordained in heaven. These mysteries that he had that he couldn't reveal until Christ came. It says the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the age be, uh, before the ages for whose glory? Huh? Our glory. That's different, isn't it? God is revealing these things, and, and it says there He ordained something. That means he, he He that means He orchestrated, or or He He came up with a plan and said, "This is my plan. This is what I'm going to do for mankind, for their glory." Brother Ken, that's weird. We pray every Sunday uh, to glorify God, right? To glorify Jesus, right? Uh, the, Bible, the scriptures tell us that, that no one can take God's glory from him. But you know God, and we're going to look at it in a few minutes, God shares his glory. Well, if you get a hold of that, you'd be excited. As I, I'm having a hard time right now because I'm really wanting to stay away from what I really need to put together. But if you could grasp the holiness and the glory of God and all of his majesty, and he wants to share that with me. He wants to share it with you. Have you ever thought about that? We're, we're, uh, we're saved and, and we're not going to go to hell. Yay! That's not what it's all about. 
I'm going to go to heaven to be with God for eternity. And he and and I'm and I do this through the blood of Christ and he's going to share his glory with me. And brother Kenny, you have lost your mind. I'm going to show you some verses for it. I'm going to show you some things that Jesus himself said, but let's continue to look at our text for right, for right now. It was a wonderful plan of God that he he put together from the foundations of the world. Uh, uh, we, we can't even really, I, I, and that's why I want to study it, because I, I really can't even explain it. I, I don't know if we could really even fully comprehend God's glory and the glory of Christ and that he wants to share that with me till we get to heaven. I'm not sure we could fully comprehend that. Matter of fact, I'm about 99% sure we won't comprehend all of it. But he says, this is before ordained for our glory. Verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew. Now, this is interesting here that Paul threw this in here. It says, God had a plan in verse 7 uh, that he ordained before the time began for our glory. And then he says in verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known... They would have not what? Crucified Christ. What in the world is Paul talking about there? People, I, this is difficult today to understand because we're talking about heavenly things. Things that go up on in the heavens above us. And to be honest with you, there's not a whole lot of scripture about it. Be honest with you, in our minds, in our, in our human nature, it's hard for us to even to imagine but I know it's so. The Bible tells us it's so. Tells us that it's going to happen. But he gives us a little tidbit here of, of what's going on. Uh, who are the rulers of this age? Who do you think that is? I think he's talk, referring to Satan and his demons. Who is the prince and power of the air? Y'all bear with me now. Y'all look at me like a calf looking at a new gate this morning. Satan is the prince and power of the air. From the time that Christ was born, he was trying to kill him. Why would Satan want to do that? To defeat Christ. To defeat God and his plan and his purpose. And it says here, if, if, they, if they would have known. I mean, was it Pilate? No, oh, he... Pilate couldn't have stopped it if he wanted to. It was before the, the scripture tells us that, that Christ to come and die was also preordained. It was already established before the foundations of the world that Christ would come and die for the sin. He could, Pilate couldn't have stopped it. How about the rulers, the Sanhedrin? Could they stop? No. This was God's plan all along. Uh, the only one that thought he might could stop it was Satan. And he did. He tried to do it when Jesus was a baby. You remember they had all the firstborn killed? Do you remember that Satan tempted him and tried to defeat him? How he tried to use the religious rulers of that time to, to kill Jesus before his time? But it says throughout scripture, his time was not yet. What does that mean? That means God had ordained a specific time and place 
and, and, and way that Christ would die for the sins of the world. And no one was going to stop it. Not even Satan himself. But ultimately Satan thinks he won when Christ died on the cross. He thought he had defeated Christ, right? He thought he had won. Little did he know that was his main defeat. That in that, then that Christ died for our sins, in that he rose from the, er, was buried and rose from the grave, and Christ would be the first fruits of our salvation, right? That he would be glorified and return to him. Ooh, that just, that, uh, that goes all the way back to Genesis, where, where it talks about when, when they sinned, what God say? That he would bruise his head and one would bruise his heel. Y'all remember that verse? You know what that's referring to? That's talking about Christ. He would bruise his heel. Is that a death blow? No. Was it a blow? It was. The cross was difficult. But on the cross, Satan took a blow to the head. He was defeated once and for all at the cross. That was the ultimate defeat, and Satan had thought he had won. Uh, This is what he's talking about. If if Satan had known all the power that would have come out of the resurrection and the glorification of Christ, he wouldn't have wanted wanted even to mess with it. He would have have known he, he was defeated. See, John 17, you need to read that whole prayer of Christ. But John 17, 22, Jesus talks about in the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. You know, I said God wants to share his glory with us. Jesus is praying for that right there. He glorified the son. And the son is praying, Father, as you've glorified me, as you've glorified me, Father, glorify them. Share your glory with them. He's praying for that for us. Uh, read it as uh, you go home and read John 17 and look at how many times the word glory comes up and how Jesus, uh, he says, restore unto me the, the glory which I had with you before the foundations of the world. I'm, I can't. I can't get straight away. But as I want you to understand, it was God's plan all along to glorify mankind, not just to create them, not not just to to say that oh you know we create a beautiful heaven and earth and you accept me as your personal savior and and it'll all be good here on earth. That's not what all the plan's about. See, he wants us to be glorified. He wants us to share in his glory. Verse 9. See, this is where I'm saying it is so difficult. Well, I'm out of time, and I'm on page 2 of about 8. But it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So he's quoting Isaiah 64 there where they were in captivity in Babylon. And, and they were waiting for the redemption of God. They were waiting for God to bring them out of bondage. And he compares that to us. 
that we are waiting for our glorification. We are looking forward to that day where I'll no longer have to fight over sin. I'll no longer suffer in this body and, and pain and suffering. Uh, he's talking about, and, and, and it can't even enter our mind. We really can't even get a grasp of the things which God has for those who love him. Verse 10, but God hath revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. This glorification process, this glorification, uh, I know it's hard for you to get it in your mind. That's why I pray the Holy Spirit would lead us. The Holy Spirit would lead me in what I say. I want you to grasp this. I want you to get this. Uh, it's, it's difficult at best because they are the deep things of God. I don't think like God. You don't think like God. God knows we can't even begin to imagine. But he says his spirit will reveal certain things to us. John, 1 John 3, 1 through 2, says, Behold, what manner of love hath the Father bestowed on us. Do you understand that the cross and the, our salvation, our justification, our sanctification is because of God's love? Our glorification is too. And he says the, the love that he bestowed upon that we should be called the sons of God, that we should be uh, the, the adopted into the family of God. Therefore the world knoweth not, because it knew him not. Look at in verse 2 of 1 John 3. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. He's talking about our glorified bodies. Our glorification, we don't fully understand what it will be. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But this we know, he says, but we know that when he shall appear, that's at the rapture, when he shall appear, when he calls his church home, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we can have confidence in that this was God's plan from the beginning, uh, knowing that God has ordained all this and, and our confidence in him to do what he's promised. 2 Corinthians 4, uh, there are several scriptures there, 15 through 18, for all things are for your sake, that the abundance of grace might through the thanksgiving of many uh, abound to the glory of God, which for this cause we faint not. But through our outward man, but though our outward man perish, our old nature perish, yet our inward is renewed day by day. Remember we talked about that in sanctification? <coughs> For our light afflictions, these sufferings, these pains that we have here on earth, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far morning, far more exceeding and external weight of glory. All this that we're going through on our, is once we get to heaven, it's going to seem like nothing. It's just a blink in the time. When we consider eternity and the glory and the things that God has for us. It talks about, well, the things that we look at are, are seen and the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. The things we see on earth are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What are you telling? Don't focus on this problem here and now. 
As Christians, I believe we ought to be focused on one day we'll be glorified. One day we'll be free from the bondage of sin. We'll be free from this suffering and this pain. See, I believe God gives us a taste of this glory sometimes. You ever just been and just maybe riding down the road and just singing praises to God? Or just ever just felt like you, man, God's just sitting right here beside me. And you're just having a great time worshiping him. I believe that's a taste of his glory. That's a taste of something. I believe he did it to the children of Israel when he sent the spies into the promised land. And, and they saw the grapes and the milk and the honey and, and all that. And they saw that and said, man, this is great. We want more. But they had to go back and they wandered for 40 years longing for what was to come. See, I believe that God gives us a little taste of heaven sometimes just so we long for what he has for us. So we anticipate God's finished plan. Uh, first, Philippians 3.20, for our conversation, he's talking about Christians, our conversations in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you looking for him? Are you looking for him? You know, as believers, we're saved and we're going through our sanctification. What are we to be doing? Looking for the return of our Savior. Longing for the return. Many of us are just longing for that promotion. Longing for that bigger house. Longing for you name it. We long for more temporary things than we do heavenly things. And I, I, I know we're on heavenly things today. But that's where our minds should ultimately be fixed. All this is temporary, people. All this is, is just for a moment. But we should be looking for our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And listen to what he says. When he comes, when we look for the Savior, and when he comes, verse 21 of Philippians 3, it says, Who shall change our vile body? He'll change our vile bodies, that it may be fashioned like unto the glorious body. And flashing like unto his glorious body. You ever heard that you that you being conformed into the image of his dear son? That's what he's talking about here. When he comes, our vile bodies and all the rest will be changed into a body just like Christ, without sin, immortal. I got to keep moving. According to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things to himself. He's able to do that. See, this is the climax of our salvation. This is the, the ultimate grand finale of our sanctification is our glorification. Is that one day we will be just like Christ. Uh, this is our blessed hope. Uh, the glorious appearing of Christ, of when he will come for us. Uh, Titus 2.13, just write it down. Looking uh, for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of a great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. As Christians, we should be looking for that. 2 Corinthians, just write this down and you can read it later. First, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 9. It talks about the groaning that we have and that we're burdened and, and we're burdened to be clothed with a new body. Uh, we we have that within us, and 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 that how that that God will do that for us. But until then, we desire that. 
and how that we can have confidence that he's promised us that. And knowing that while he was, uh, that we're at home with the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. See, we, we have faith that it's going to happen one day, that, that God promised it and we believe it. And though we haven't seen it, though we can't understand it, we still believe it. So we are confident, I say, rather be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. That is our hope. That is our assurance. The best is yet to come. Yes, we're going through a process of sanctification, but our glorification is the grand finale of our sanctification when it's all done and when there is no pain, there is no suffering, there is no sin. And we have a body like my Savior, holy, sinless, and glorified. Y'all got that this morning? I'll give you some few more verses to write down. 1 Corinthians 15, 35 through 58. Read those verses. And he talks about in those verses of how there's heavenly bodies and earthly bodies and there's one sun, a glory of a moon and a glory of a sun and stars and, and all the rest. And, and he says, so also after the resurrection of the body is, is sown in corruption and raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. He's talking about we were born into sin, but we were be born again and, 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 and raised to eternal to be glorified without sin. But you can read those verses there. And, but I wanted to point out verse 50 of, of uh, 1 Corinthians 15. He says, Now I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, sinful flesh and blood. Our sinful bodies of our own will cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But I tell you a mystery. There he is again with a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We're not all going to just be dead for eternity. Death is not the end of the grave or end of, of all there is. He says, uh, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will rise, be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. He's referring to our glorified body. And, then, and he goes on to say about a, an incorruptible, an immortal body, an in, um, in, uh, immortal person. And then he talks about, oh, death, where uh, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, Hades, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, the st- strength, uh, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. What I I, I wanted to get to you to understand is that you are justified by faith alone, in Christ alone. And then from that, uh, you have a process of your sanctification. That's your time here on earth. Now, the only person that didn't have to really go through that process was a thief on the cross. He's the only one in Scripture that I know was justified and glorified in the same day. Wouldn't that be awesome? (laughs) Not, Not have to go through this part. But we are daily being sanctified until one day we will be glorified where we... 
will live in our immortal bodies, our incorruptible bodies, our sinless bodies, as we're around the throne of God and how, how God shares his glory with us. See, that, I believe that's been God's plan from the beginning. Just one more verse. Romans 8, verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined. Well, let me back up. Uh, let me, verse 29. For, for, be, for whom he did foreknow. You think he knew me from the foundations of this world? He knew Kenny Heinzel was coming. And he tried to warn y'all. All right. But before he did foreknow, he also predestined. He also predetermined. He also wanted that for you. What did he want for us? To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many believers. It's been God's plan all along. He created Adam, and he wanted Adam to obey him. That's all he wanted. Don't eat of the fruit. Just obey him. Adam fell. And because of that fall, we're all born into sin. And then Christ had to die for the sins of the world. But see, it's all been, do you, do you sort of see what I'm saying? From the very beginning, God had designed it where all mankind would be, glor would be glorified. That he could share his glory with all mankind. And he had to go through this process of the fall of man and the restoration of the fellowship through Jesus Christ. And at the one day as we stand around his throne, we will be glorified uh, before him. What will it look like? We're not real sure. You can write it down, uh, Revelation 21. In verse 11, it talks about the bride of Christ. And it talks about uh, uh, how glorious and beautiful that, that the bride looks like. Clothed in white, sinless, as we stand and sing praises around the throne of God. And I know this has been tough because I, I I, I've never been to heaven. If anybody in here has and can explain it better, please do so. But I'm going on things that I'm trying to get out of Scripture and trying to gather of what this glorification would look like. All I know is it's going to happen. And it's been God's plan all along. And he sent his son to make sure his purpose and his plan is fulfilled for me and you, if we'll only trust him. We're looking forward to his return. I'm looking forward to having a nice skinny body. With no knee pains, no back pains. But I'm looking most of all forward to not struggling with sin and glorifying my Father in heaven for eternity. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Father, that you called us, that you justified us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you are continuing daily sanctifying us. And Father, we're looking for that blessed assurance and that hope that one day you will glorify us in heaven. Father, we just thank you and praise you for that. I hope, Father, that, that these studies that we have done in the past few weeks are helpful and enlightening to the ones that hear it. Lord, just encourage us and refresh us to know that you've got all things
in your magnificent plan. And you're working for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.